So if you want to follow along with some of what I'm going to share today, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 37 a little bit, and then Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Um, I, I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, I'm sharing in weakness. I've been sick all week. I'm not contagious, so if you hugged me or shook my hand or fist bumped, you're okay, all right? Uh, but just feeling a little little shaky and a lot of coughing, so if I break down in a, in a coughing fit, just give me a second, I'll be back, all right? <laughs> um, I've had this in my heart, pieces of it for, man, probably a couple of months, and then I've just had the Lord add on a bit here and there. And I've really wanted to share this for the last couple of months, but uh, last couple of weeks. But I have just been so encouraged by what's coming from all of the body. And I just want to pray that God protect us from an expectation of what it should look like. Because that expectation of what a meeting should look like can hinder us from seeing where he is and what he is doing and what he is saying. And so, Tanya, thank you so much for what you shared this morning and Chuck for for following up with that. I mean, that was so encouraging to hear that, you know, if if I had to simplify what I'm feeling about this and what my sense is, I'm just hoping we would all take notes on everything everybody's sharing just like we would if Michael were up here teaching. Because it's coming from the same Spirit. It's coming from the Spirit of the Lord, and it has value. And I was thinking about this this morning as as sharing was happening. And so this is just kind of new, so maybe I'm just thinking through this and you get to think through it with me for a second. But I think maybe it's easy when somebody gets up and talks about what they're going through and what God is doing in their life for the struggles that they are having. Then it's so easy to say, well, God bless them and God help them and God encourage them. I would really want to challenge all of us to take what we hear and say, God, are you saying anything to me through that? Is there anything being shared there that's relevant to me? And if not, then it is just a matter of prayer. It is just a matter of lifting those brothers and sisters up to Christ. But I got a feeling there's so many things that go on in so many different people that can speak to so many of the rest of us about things that God's addressing and God's doing. And so I would just hope and pray that, look, it's... It's been easy for, say, the last 15 or 20 years to say, yes, we agree that the Bible says that all bring edification. All are responsible for encouragement. We agree with that. Micah, bless God, praise God, but as long as he's on the prayer roll and still standing up here, okay. He's got this. Well, guess what? He ain't on the payroll, 
He is one of the four elders. There is no head elder, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Well, there's a head. There's a head. And the head is Christ. So it's been easy, but now that dependence that we've had, it's gone. Now, he may still stand up here and share things that God's dropping in his heart and praise God for that, but it is no more valuable than what Alex shared this morning or what anybody else stood up and talked about. What I'm going to share this morning is no more valuable. It is valuable, but we need to see each other as valuable. And listen with ears that can hear and receive and walk out of here being taught, being encouraged, being challenged. So that's not what I came to share. That's, that's free. It's all free. In Psalm 37, I would encourage you, if you're going to take notes, just to refer back and see what the Lord's saying to you. Look at verses 1 through 11, but I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither away, and like green plants, they will soon die away. It's interesting, this word fret... I've always just associated, and I'm I'm a little bit of a word guy. I'm not near the word guy that Mr. Morales here is, but I'm a word guy. But the word fret, the Hebrew word for fret, means to heat yourself up into vexation. It's not fear because of something external. It's worked up, overheated. You heard, we've heard this term and used the term hot around the collar. Guess what? That's self-inflicted. That is fret. And we bring fret upon ourselves because of those who are evil. And sometimes we even misidentify evil. Evil is anybody that doesn't agree with me. But he says, don't get yourself worked up. In fact, if you look on down into verse 8, it says, this is, this is so interesting to me. Verse 8 says, fret leads to evil. So, here's the picture. I've seen evil, I've identified this as evil, and I'm getting all worked up about it, so I'm fretting. Guess what? My fret leads me into evil. I'm participating in the very thing I'm frustrated about. At the core, on the external it may not be the same, but at the core it's the same. It's evil. I thought that's so funny. And so he's saying, look, don't get all worked up about people that don't agree with you. They're going to wither. They're going to die away. Don't get envious about what they have. I remember, man, back in the, I guess, early 90s, um, I, I watched a lot of Tim Allen. What was the show? Tool Time? Home Improvement. Home Improvement. Yeah, classic. 
Do you know that rascal at the peak of that show was making $1.25 million? This is in 94, 93, 94. $1.25 million. And now, Dodge comes along and says, Tim Allen, we want to give you a Dodge Viper. Just give it to you. You know, man, you know how many of these he could have bought just on this week's episode alone? And you're going to give him one. What about guys like me out there? I got myself a little vexed and envious over something. And God's saying, don't get envious for those who are doing wrong. Because in verse 2, he says, for like the grass, they're going to wither. And like the green plants, they will soon die away. When, Lord? They seem to be lingering. They seem to be growing. And when are they going to die away? And this is what the Lord said to me as I asked this question. And it took me a while to see this. But finally, one day, as I was going back to this again, I'm like, Lord, it's just hard to recognize that they're going to die away. I mean, we're bombarded by them. And he said, when you, in your heart, stop fretting and stop being envious, they'll die in your perspective. Their impact will wither in your heart when you stop fretting when you stop allowing yourself to get worked up over them I about two to three years ago made a very conscious decision to stop watching the news I'm not saying anybody should do that that was my conviction that was what the Lord led me to and so I just stopped You know, most of those rascals just quit bothering me. I quit getting worked up about stupid people making stupid decisions. Because I didn't give my heart to it. I didn't give me to it. It doesn't mean what's going on is not important. Please don't misunderstand that. What's happening in the world is critical. It is important. We need to pray. We need to understand. But for me, it was just that season of the Lord saying, no, And every now and then, I'll turn it back on. And the Lord will say, you see why you stopped? Yeah, I get it. It's the Lord wanting to take that impact out of our hearts. Because the gravity of that impact will wither when I stop giving them value with my attention. Now... Jump over to Ecclesiastes 2 if you're following along. In Ecclesiastes, look, there's argument over who wrote it. We're going to make an assumption today, okay? Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. Solomon, at the end of his life, starts looking back at all he's done. And for the first several verses, 
altar from about 1 to down to about 17. He talks about everything he experienced. But he gets to 17, and he says, everything is futility and striving after wind. He basically says, Brunel, what you shared this morning, there's no value in work or food or drink or pleasure that is outside of God. Just to work and then find God in your toil and in your food and drink. Thomas, that's about the best man can hope for. And that's good if we get God's perspective. But how did Solomon know everything is futility? Well, the first several verses of this chapter tell us he lavishly gave himself to some things. I don't mean just a little bit. I mean, poured himself into some things. Here's some examples. Just in this chapter. Poured himself into comedy. He tried to find pleasure and satisfaction in gestures gestures and, and comedy and laughter. So, and understand, when we talk about the things that Solomon gave himself to, Solomon didn't just lightheartedly touch in each of those categories. He became a student of these things. I read a book when I was about 19 that Chuck Swindoll wrote called Living on the Ragged Edge. And it's a treatise of the book of Ecclesiastes. So in in reading that, just became very, very aware of how in-depth Solomon went in each of these categories that I'm sharing with you. So he gave himself to comedy. He gave himself to food and drink. I mean, tried everything to look. I like trying good food. I like trying new food. God finally sat on me about two months ago and said, stop. I'm, I'm trying to stop. But here's a guy that understood Epicurean delight to the nth degree. Tried it all, tested it all, tasted it all, learned it all. He said he had many concubines. Why? Well, he doesn't just leave it to us to guess. It wasn't because he just wanted a higher number than the next king in the next land. He said, for the pleasure of man. That's what he did. I'm not going to elaborate. I'll leave that to your own imagination. But I'm telling you, the guy tried everything. It says he understood and built construction and architecture. He didn't just call his, his lead guys in and say, I want you to go out and build this temple and build that and build this house and build this mansion and build. No, he got involved. He got engaged. He learned these things and he knew these things well. He was into animal husbandry. I mean, he had more horses and cattle and sheep and just on and on. He excelled in purchasing slaves. He knew how to pick them. He knew how to pick them so they could reproduce and increase his lot. He understood economics and business acquisitions. I mean, the guy was a businessman. 
He didn't just buy it because he had the money. He knew business. He knew art and culture and the acquiring of culture and the acquiring of art. He even studied and knew vocal and instrumental music and had choirs and singers and musicians of all kinds. And he gets to verse 17. And he says, everything is futility and striving after wind. It's a vapor. Now, look, we, we can try these things to find fulfillment for ourselves. But we look expectantly for the fulfillment of all these things to define and prove the goodness of God. Well, if God's good, I'll have X. If God's good, he'll let me be successful at this. If God's good, there will be an abundance of these things. I mean, Solomon had all that. Yeah, he did. And he said, it's nothing. It's nothing. He said, all is vanity. Vanity means a breath and a vapor. This is how the evildoer and the wrongdoer fade. Because what they're giving themselves to that we tend to get ourselves fretted or envious over is just a vapor. It's just a breath. It's not lasting. The purpose and value of a breath is only good until what? The next breath. I mean, we're all doing it without thinking about it until I bring it up. Now you're going to be thinking about breathing. It's only good until the next breath, and then the value of the last breath is no more. That's how Solomon described all that he ran after, all that we tend to run after for meaning and value and wisdom and pleasure. But the pursuit of anything outside of the purpose and presence and direction of God is a breath, it's a vapor. And so then the question comes, how many things have I given myself to that don't have value? They really don't have meaning. They don't have a lot of purpose. They don't have weight. They don't have glory. And you understand why people who can seem to have all the fame or all the fortune or all of all of the above and still commit suicide. How would they do that? Because it was a vapor. And they finally got honest enough to realize And having believed that they chased it all and couldn't find it, then why am I here? Why even continue to search? So Psalm 37 starts by saying, look, don't fret, don't be envious of the evildoer and the wrongdoer. That word, by the way, also, evildoer and wrongdoer, can be translated broken. We're getting worked up over what broken people have or do or say. 
And so if we give our attention and our emotion, if we give substance in our minds to those things that are not substantive, then they take on substance in our own lives. They start to give me meaning. They start to give me value. And there's not any substance to it. But I give that to them, and I give them weight in myself. So then we begin to believe things about ourselves that aren't true. I'll never... Two two people I want to kind of share on in this particular moment... One, a couple of weeks ago, Micah stood up, and I'm not going to quote him exactly. I've tried to, I need to go back and listen to it. But he basically said, God spoke to him, and he said, want to still be sarcastic? Now look, I've known Micah a pretty long time. Tom, how big a deal was that? That's a big deal. That is God opening the lid and saying, look in there. That's not you. Now, Mike is a master of sarcasm. Has been. I tell people I learned from the best. And God said, that's not you. You want to keep on? It's not you. It's not me. And so God just began to expose that and deal with that. I'll never forget several years ago now, um, we had a meeting at work. When you might remember this story when I share it. I don't remember the context, but I remember just being really frustrated and was trying to tell the team, this needs to stop. And so I, we were sitting over in the conference room around the conference table, and I said something akin to this. If you keep doing that and I find out, I will burn you down. Do I look like I'm going to burn anything down? I'll never forget later on, Carlos coming to me. And he said, you know, you really try hard to be tough and portray being tough. And look, I grew up in a home, the oldest and smallest of five boys and then dad, all over six feet tall. I'm 5'7 with my good boots on, standing on my long leg. For those of you who know that whole story, that's even funnier. If you don't know, I have two definitively different sizes of lengths of legs. And so, kind of had to be tough to survive, I thought. And over the years, I had developed this tough persona. I had a guy in high school, I found out later, spreading the word saying, watch out for that one. He doesn't talk much. What he didn't know is I was shaking in my boots. So I was new at this school, but they all thought I was tough because that is what I tried to portray. And through Carlos, God identified that and said, that's not you. Because it's not me. It's not the heart of the Lord. 
God's heart's gentle. God's heart's loving. But we can find ourselves given to things and giving substance to things that we begin to let define us. It might be the stuff we have. It might be one or many of the things that were in Solomon's list of vanities, of vapors. God's saying that doesn't define you. It's not who you are. Well, what if I start giving all this up then, Lord? What am am I going to do? Go back and read the rest of Psalm 37. The rest of the chapter, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Cease from anger. Be still before the Lord. Pursue humility. And I was thinking about all these things that he's given us to fill the spaces where empty vanity has taken up so much room. I was thinking about that when Paul was sharing last week out of Hebrews 4. These are just the ways that he's allowing us to enter his rest. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. It's not with fire and brimstone. It's with the goodies. It's with the vanities. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. So look, this is not for us to take and beat ourselves up with. Oh my gosh, my life's so full of vanity. Oh my gosh, I've given myself to so many things that are empty and are valueless and meaningless. Look, there are going to be things that just come along in life that are going to take up time and energy. Where we need to be wise is not allowing those things to identify who we are and what we do. Because once we do that, we've created a vapor in our lives and are giving ourselves to things that have no meaning. Instead, this is to come to the Lord. Oh, and by the way, this is not to use on your spouse or your children or your friends or your coworkers or anybody else. So don't use it against yourself. Don't use it against anybody else. Just go to the Lord and say, Lord, where are the vanities? Where are the things that I've allowed myself to believe have value in my life that just don't? Look, I'm going to be very, very frank with you guys. I love good stories. And Netflix is full of them. Amazon Prime and, well, never mind how many of those I've got. And I, as, and that's kind of my reasoning is to, to give it weight is just, well, because I just love good stories. And there's a lot of bad stories. And I, you wouldn't believe the number of, I was looking at it just last night, the number of things on Netflix that says continue watching. And it's got a little bit of a red line that means I started. It's like, no, this ain't a good story. Click, turn it off, find another one. And I just, 
am starting to find myself, when I turn that, what my dad called the boob tube, turn on the boob tube and just go, this ain't it. This ain't it. Now, I'm sharing that today while my wife's not here. Please don't tell her I said that. That's got to be what God works out in me, not her, okay? Son, you hear me? Don't repeat this. <laughs> yes, I know it's recorded. I just want us to be encouraged to let God identify the vapors. They're going to wither and die and blow away and don't matter. And give ourselves to what does. And listen, if this doesn't resonate with you personally, now think about the lost. Without Christ, they've got nothing that has meaning and value and are trying to associate value and meaning with everything else in life. So we need to look at them with a different set of eyes and a different heart that says, God, give me your perspective. How do I show what is weighty and meaningful? How can I speak of you in such a way that it creates a hunger that says, that's what I'm looking for. But if we give in ourselves to all these vanities ourselves, they're not going to hear it and see it from us because they're going to hear, oh, you like the same shows I do. You like the same food I do. You like the same collection of whatever it is that I do. You're just like me. Let us give away something that's got value. It's got eternal meaning. That's what God's been working out in me.